Ron was a very big factor uh, when we began looking at a supplier portal. The reason for that is because the emails that come in validating the information is a challenge for people when you can get, when the fraudsters know they can call in and fish their way through people to find out what kind of information are they going to ask for. And then I'll be able to provide that to them. Welcome to the Ultimate Supplier Management Podcast from Apex Analytics. This podcast is an audio version of a recent webinar we had with Joni Gertz, Director of Accounts Payable and Fraud at JetBlue Airways. During the session, she discusses how they're preventing fraud, duplicate payments, and fines. She's joined by Akilesh Agarwal from Apex, and he discusses our strategy of utilizing layers of protection to protect supplier payments. Since this was a webinar, you can download the slides in the episode notes. With that, enjoy the show. Thank you so much, Joni. I'm Akhilesh Agarwal, and I head up uh, the Apex portal in IT division for Apex Analytics. I want to start the conversation by talking about the business impact of poor master data and transaction controls. In any organization, these controls are very important. Just to give you some statistics, there's $4 trillion in operational fraud, according to the Association of Certified fraud examiners. Another statistics which is very interesting is there's approximately $650,000 worth of fines and 20 years in imprisonment associated with OFAC violations. And OFAC violation is just one of the industry standard checks that we need to comply with. How Apex Analytics solves this is we check against more than 89 plus such validations on a global basis. OFAC is just one of them. Another statistics is around 30% of the duplicate payments and other payment errors are due to vendor master issues alone. So by having a great process around managing the vendor master, how you onboard new vendors or manage existing vendors, it really reduces your duplicate payments. Having said that, I would like Joni to go through her journey on how she improved her processes. Thank you, Akalash. So on this slide, that is actually me in the car. And that is me looking out of this, this snow-covered windshield of the same feeling that I had when I joined the AP team back in 2009. I had zero visibility of what was in the system. I knew that there must be some duplicate vendors uh, because I saw things like NY, NYC, abbreviations everywhere, different variations of names. So no naming conventions were being used. And I needed to find out what we had in the system. Knowing that there was duplicate vendors, I knew there must be a lot of duplicate payments as well. As far as the SAP side of that, there's not a lot of fraud controls. So it would have to match exactly on everything, which is not the case on most duplicates. So those are the easy ones. But there's a lot of other ways that duplicates get into your system. And those are the ones that I really wanted to dig in and find out what was in the system. Also, the fraud and how fraudsters are getting in. So we know how many different ways you can enter an invoice into our system, but how many approvers and how many vendors do you have going to different approvers 
that's very hard to really look at without something to run that for you and show you what is in there. So how do fraudsters get into our system? This is an example that actually happened, kind of a not really genius way to do it. But at the same time, it was kind of genius because what they did is with the hyperlink, they just changed that one letter. So under unique, they changed that to a G, which you really can't see unless you were really going to take an in-depth look at look at that. But in an email, when it comes from that, you're thinking, okay, yes, it's from them. Expedia group that made that G into a Q, also uh, using that hyperlink. So this is a, a very easy way to get into your system. They write into your AP team or send an email to somebody internally into your business, and then that is forwarded. So it's coming from someone in your operation and you're thinking, okay, this is from someone that works here. Um, this must be a good email. This was a lot of money. We were able to recoup everything, but this is a very, very common and very simple way to get into your system. Fraud was a very big factor uh, when we began looking at a supplier portal. The reason for that is because the emails that come in validating the information is a challenge for people when you can get, when the fraudsters know they can call in and fish their way through people to find out what kind of information are they going to ask for. And then I'll be able to provide that to them. That's probably the most common way is, is working through people in your organization till they get to somebody that can give them that information. Uh, now with the portal that we're using with Apex, every time an email comes in asking for a, an update to a bank account, they are directed back to the portal where they will have to provide the information and answer the challenge questions that we have set up in there. And that can be customized to however you want to do that. In the portal, all of the supplier's information is validated against the government and third-party data sources. So we know OFAC is checked. We know that there's another 75 other lists that APEX checks against. The TIN is validated. We do have banking validation. It doesn't work with every bank, but it does work with the large banks. Um, that helps. So a, a fairly large company that wants to do business with you is not probably doing business with a small credit union in the neighborhood. To ensure the compliance, they have to answer the questions and provide documents based on what they are trying to change. It's very secure. We don't have to touch it. We don't have to look for information and it saves us time and helps us keep our information clean. Thank you, Joni. At this point, I would love to elaborate more on what Joni already said in terms of how we protect against supplier fraud. So think about this protection into multiple layers, uh, primarily five different layers of protection. First one being uh, robust access controls. And uh, what I mean by that is, is the user who's logging into the supplier portal really who they uh, claim to be? Right. And how do we know that is by a variety of additional controls built into this layer. So one of them being, you know, confirmation with a multi-factor authentication system. So not just a password alone, but what is the IP address of the supplier? What is a typical known IP address of the supplier? Are they using a new device or are they logging in 
from a previous device they have frequently used in the past? Are they able to authenticate using their work email or the official email versus their personal or home email address? So do they have additional security questions and answers configured? And by using that, we can also validate their authenticity in case the supplier's own email address is compromised. So we have a variety of checks and balances in the robust access controls layer, and we prevent imposters from even logging into the system. The second layer is user behavior monitoring, and this is an additional layer where we are checking for suspicious IP addresses or locations. So, for example, is the supplier located out of the U.S., and they have previously logged in an hour ago, but all of a sudden we find a login, let's say, from North Korea. So that would be an impossible travel plus uh, an unlikely location they would log in from because uh, of where the vendor is officially located. And we track these scenarios and make sure the supplier is not able to log in and the official contact of the supplier is alerted, JetBlue is alerted. We also track for suspicious login activity based on time zones or the time interval. So, for example, the supplier's uh, business hours is typically 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., but we have unusual login detected at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's a potential issue, and we are able to track that anomaly uh, and flag it in the system. So that's how the access controls and behavior monitoring works. On top of it, we have another layer for bank account changes. So Joni had illustrated about this a bit on how JetBlue is redirecting all suppliers to the Apex portal for making such changes. But when the supplier does end up in the banking page, one of the nice controls we have is the supplier must enter the previous account number before they can change it, and they cannot see the full account number that exists on file. So in case of an imposter, they may not know the existing account, they would definitely have a new account number. So it prevents the change from happening in the first place. And then we have additional controls like alerts or frequently changes in the bank account number. So let's say the supplier attempted to make a change five times in a row, we would detect it. And we would definitely contact the original email address of the supplier if the email address is changing along with the bank account number. So that's a typical fraud scenario as well. Now, in addition to having controls on who can change it and when they can change it, we also protect the data by having real-time bank account ownership validation. So what this means is for US, Sweden, Poland, and India, we can validate not only if uh, the bank account exists in that country, but does it belong to the name of the supplier? And what is the bank account type? For example, commercial account versus an individual account, and is the account in good standing? So those are some of the real-time bank ownership controls. And lastly, we have a multi-enterprise global network intelligence. And how this works is think about the rest of the globe, right? I gave examples of four countries, but what about the rest of the globe, like Canada, China, Hong Kong, and so on and so forth? What if a bank account change happens in those countries? So Apex Analytics has a proprietary score that we used to figure out if the bank account, which is changing, has been used by a supplier previously for any other clients of Apex Analytics. So uh, it gives you a confidence score how likely the account belongs to the supplier. 
or how many payments have been previously known to be sent on that same account number how many other companies are paying that supplier and is it in the right country meaning is it matching the supplier's country in a typical fraud scenario these fraudulent bank accounts reside generally out of the supplier's jurisdiction so th- those are the five different layers of protection and in total more than 25 different controls enabling data protection and preventing fraudulent payments from going out so i would like joni to talk more about how she prevents duplicates and other checks and balances thanks akulesh as i mentioned earlier in sap it's not really the fraud check that you would hope that you're getting so you can see that you have to match on all of these six fields exactly in order for sap to flag that for you i'm not sure that i've ever even seen it flag on that because typically these don't all match and then if we go to the next slide you can see the reason that we use apex uh, first strike for our duplicates there are so many different ways that they can get into the system and they can change things they can add numbers they can add a dash or a dot or an a or a b but again unless you know what is in your data so if you don't know that you have duplicate vendors in there there's no way that you would ever know you're paying New York state and NYS the same exact amounts the same exact invoice however you would know that using first strike because it would pull it up and say you paid these two vendors the same amount the same invoice number or you paid this amount to two different vendors and one has a slightly different name, uh, but the same address. So there's many layers that it looks at and identifies these duplicate checks for you. And it is nothing that you would have with SAP, unfortunately, but fortunately we have First Strike and it has saved us a lot of money on the duplicate check. I think year to date, I wanna say we're close to 20 million in preventing uh, duplicates from going out the door since 2011. So it's been very successful for us. We recently did an S4 HANA uh, deployment and upgrade, and it was very straightforward. It took about nine months. It was right before, I believe, that we shut down for COVID. So we still had resources. Uh, What I like about it is you can use your phone to access some of the apps If you need to make a quick payment, um, it's very, we didn't have that before. So S4 HANA has been a very good upgrade for us. However, it did take all of our IT resources. So I wouldn't plan on doing any other projects during that time. And it's been a great, also a benefit for our accounting team with help with clothes and all of the financial uh, data that they need. Yeah, I would take a moment to talk about the Apex portal proxy supplier registration. So a typical question we get is, it's great to have all of these features, checks and balances, but how soon can I start taking advantage of it? Because uh, an implementation may take time. And from a business standpoint, you do want to get to these validations at the earliest possible. So what we offer is a out-of-box functionality for SAP and other ERP. So this app, if you will, is available on the SAP App Store as well. And what it does is it uh, lets you set up an Apex proxy registration portal, which can work out-of-box with SAP, provided you have not customized SAP to an extent. 
And once this is set up, you're able to collect all the information from the suppliers like you do today, but within the Apex portal environment. So you can enter suppliers data without having the suppliers login. So this can be a a week one feature, if you will. And you get advantage of all of the data validations we talked about, including the bank account change features, the fraud protection features, and we validate data from over 650 external sources worldwide. And that number is growing. In fact, the latest figure is uh, over 850 sources. So we keep adding external validations uh, over time. Uh, You can take advantage of uh, an approval flow. So that's also configured out of the box with a single approval group. And then SAP would automatically update with the changes or additions you make in the Apex poll. So yeah, this is an out-of-box functionality. Fits right into the standard SAP configuration and you can take advantage of it at the earliest. And some of the fields or data points that you can capture is listed on the slide I'm sharing. So, you know, we have a whole list of standard fields in proxy mode that you can take advantage of out of the box. Now, once you go live with this, we can keep implementing client-specific features and then go live with that too. So just wanted to take a moment and talk about this.